0: Hello, I'm Rachel Carmen and I'm coming to you today on behalf of Carrie Beck and her conference to encourage moms. I very humbly come to you under the guise of being a superhero. I get it. It's all the rage, but I really want you to know at the outset that makes me more than a little uncomfortable. I want you to know I'm a a mom just like you. Yes, uh, my husband and I have seven children and we have homeschooled for 25 years and we have graduated five from our homeschool. So I guess in some way that qualifies me as a superhero. But again, I just want you to know that what we're going to talk about today is something that the Lord has taught me. It's not something that I had in and of myself. It's not something that came naturally to me. This is something that I have fought hard for something I didn't even know I needed but something that in my desperation the Lord has provided and I will say it's changed everything. That thing is perspective. So I just want to give you a few little insights today that God has taught me and then I want to talk to you about some people from Scripture that I think we can study further, hopefully you'll study further and that you can learn from these people and their journey And just how much difference perspective can really make. Look, I understand, especially now, a lot of us are spending more time with each other than we ever imagined we could survive, right? And every day has its own new set of issues in our own heart and in those around us. I really believe and I continue to say that I think that this is a providential moment for all of us. It is an opportunity for us to do the work that we've been putting off in our own hearts and our own minds. God is giving us an opportunity, turning a lot of things in the world off. Our our selection of options to amuse and distract ourselves have been reduced. And so God is calling us back to the things that matter most. And he's asking us to do the hard work. Yeah, we can continue to put it off. We continue to choose distraction. We can continue to put it off and ignore the things that really matter. But to our detriment and that of our families and our communities. I really believe that as we do this hard work, as we take a good look inward, right? Moms, we got to look inward. It's easier to identify issues in the hearts of our children and ignore it in our own hearts. But it's time that we took a moment to look inward at our own hearts and actually ask the Lord to renew our hearts so that we can be the moms that God has called us to be. So just a little backstory, because it might help. I used to make fun of homeschool moms, and then I was called to be one. Through circumstances that I won't get into today, I really felt like I was forced. And I'm going to be honest. I was ticked because this was not what I wanted to do. I had some things that I wanted to get on with like a career, like the rest of my life. I was happy to have done my time at home, but it was time now for me to get back on with what I wanted to do. And we slammed in to home education. In the beginning, it was just going to be our stopgap measure, right? We can't Possibly, surely we can't mess up kindergarten. And so we started our adventure. And my son adjusted to it a lot better than his mother did. It was a very difficult adjustment for me. I liked getting out in the car and going and being involved and doing. And now I felt like my life had been reduced to this. This one little face. Yes, he had a brother and a sister at that point but I just felt like everything had closed in to this. I now can look back and tell you honestly that God was calling me to Himself. I had managed to keep busy enough and chase enough things around that I had lost my perspective. I had lost my focus. That's the first thing I want to talk to you today in terms of very practical part of gaining perspective this character quality that we're going, this idea of perspective that we're going to deem today uh, as superhero-esque, right? We're gonna say that if you can have perspective it's going to be a game changer. I believe it starts with making sure that you get who God is. Yeah, I think it goes that far back. I think if you want to have perspective, which again I'm gonna say can change your every day in your home. If you dare to want to get perspective it starts by daring to get who God is. I believe that we need to remember that God's ways are higher. God's ways are different. They're not our ways. I can tell you there have been so many times that I have prayed or sought the Lord not really asking for His will to be done for him to bless my will. I already had it figured out in my mind what would be best and I was literally like a little kid going to daddy wanting him to give me the thumbs up. But you know what? 9 out of 10 times, more like 10 out of 10 times, his plan doesn't line up even remotely with mine. The ideas that I think would be great don't line up with his. He has a different plan. We can see this as we study throughout Scripture over and over and over and over. The way God does things doesn't generally make sense to us because He operates in a whole different realm than we do. We can, though, know these two things. I am confident that God is always in the process of doing two things. And when we get a grip on this, it too... Can influence how we see things number one God is always in the business of glorifying himself from the beautiful sunrise the butterfly I saw in my garden today from whatever circumstances are coming up in our lives the situations the relationships God is allowing those circumstances in our life for the primary purpose of bringing himself glory you ask, some, you ask, how is that even possible? Do you even know what I'm in the middle of? No, I don't, but I've been in the middle of some doozies myself and I can tell you that even in the midst of the worst circumstances, there are opportunities for God to be glorified. The second thing that God is always in the process of doing this, and you see those in your, dark, these, in your darkest hours, God is always, in addition to glorifying Himself, looking and superintending circumstances to grow us. God is never satisfied with where we are on our faith journey. He's always calling us in further. He's always inviting us to trust him more, to rest in him more completely. Always, always, always. And in those deep, dark valleys that we find ourselves in, in this world, he's asking one more time, do you trust me? Will you choose to praise me even here, even in your darkest hour, even when you can't see your hand in front of your face? Will you trust and choose to believe that I am still in charge? I am still on the throne, and I've got a plan to bring you out through this, to glorify myself and grow you. This is not a permanent place for you have a plan. Look, our growth in those lousy life circumstances to a large degree depends on our cooperation with him. I can tell you that I have been in deep dark desperate places on more than one occasion. And to my shame, I have many times crossed my arms and chosen to be angry and ticked off at the King of Kings. Confident that he does not love me and he is not being fair or kind. Instead of raising my hands in praise and saying with tears dripping off of my chin, I don't get it and I don't like it, but I am choosing, I am choosing to trust that in here somewhere you've got something. That is what it looks like To get who God is, that is what it looks like to begin to gain perspective for your everyday. Not only is God always in the business of glorifying Himself and always in the business of growing us, we can rest assured in the knowledge of knowing that He is faithful. no matter what your circumstance is, no matter where you are today, no matter what your relationships look like, you can know you're not alone. Your heavenly father is with you every step of the way. There is nowhere you go that he has not already been. Nowhere. There is no circumstance that arises in your life that surprises him. I love how Tim Tebow's mother put this. Pam once said, There is nothing that touches us that has not been faithfully filtered through the Father's fingers. I love that. We can know that no matter how painful or devastating or awful our circumstances are, that God knows, and he's with us. He's faithful. He does not leave us. You can also know that God is sovereign over the whole thing when it seems like it's all spinning out of control and often it feels like it and looks like it and sounds like it, we can know that he's on the throne. And just like he placed the stars and the planets exactly where he wanted them to be, sitting, setting their orbits and their courses, we can know that the history of mankind is sovereignly in his hands. Finally, but not exhaustively, you and I must remember as we're getting who God is, that he's able. He's able to do the impossible. Remember in the Old Testament in Genesis when he's promising Abraham a child? Abraham's 90. Abraham's 90. And he's like, okay. And it says that Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Look, you and I know as we study God's word, his promises to redeem. And yet we find ourselves in circumstances that seem impossible to redeem until we get who the Redeemer is. He's in the business of constantly redeeming the junk in our lives. That's who he is. And he's able to do exceedingly and abundantly beyond all that we can ask or imagine. See, it's about living prayerfully. I believe that it's in our desperate moments, the ones that we try to get out of, the ones that we try to escape, the ones that we try to avoid, those are the moments that God invites us to stay in right there, desperate, knowing that we really need Him. We don't like that feeling, we don't like that desperation. We don't like the vulnerability we feel and feel in those moments when we don't know what to do when we feel helpless and hopeless. But right there is where we in our desperation cry out to him and he's glorified by that. Because the reality is we always need him as desperately as we feel our need in those moments. We just take it for granted. We just take it But it's in those moments when we cry out to Him, there's three things I'm going to suggest that you pray to God for. First, ask God for eyes to see. It's interesting, we're in 2020 and it's been an interesting year to say the least. And it's been when we first started off several people were saying, oh this is the year of vision, right? Last year I had eight surgeries on my eyes. The idea of 2020 being the year of vision sounded great to me, even before COVID-19 hit. But my goodness, in the middle of the swirl that is now our new normal, we need eyes to see. Mom, in your circumstance at home where you feel the responsibility, the heavy burden of the laundry and the grocery shopping and the meals and maybe even, yes, the academics And the order, pray that the Lord would give you eyes to see. Secondly, pray that he will give you wisdom to discern. It's one thing to see, right? But now, okay, God, I see. Teach me the wisdom I need to discern. What would you have me do? Oh, that we would live our lives honoring God in word and deed that we wouldn't flippantly make choices but that we would seek to make choices that would honor Him first and foremost. And number three that we would pray to God that He would give us the focus we need on the things that matter. And mom I'm going to boldly tell you today something that I've had to learn along the way and perhaps that's what it means to be a homeschool hero that maybe I'm just a little further down the path And maybe perhaps God, to God be the glory. I've learned a few things, and I would love to be able to pass these on to you so that you could waste less time than I did. Oh, that we would learn that there are lots of things that we want desperately to matter that just don't matter. They just don't matter, no matter how much we want them to. They don't matter. So asking God for eyes to see, wisdom to discern and the strength to let go of things that just don't matter. See, we need to make sure that we remember this world. This is not our home. We were made for heaven. We were made for another world, not for this world. Are you frustrated? Do you feel like you don't have enough time, too much to do? That's because you weren't made for here. You were made for there. This is just training ground. This is preparation for there. And when we can remember and keep that perspective, this is not our home. This is a moment. This is a moment. All of those things that we need to let go of, and I'm going to say to you, I believe that probably you're like me. You know what those things are that you need to let go of. You just don't want to. Fair enough? You just don't want to. Get a journal. Get honest. Write those things down. Pray over the list that the Lord God gives you. He's asking you to let some things go. He's wanting to give you this perspective. He's wanting you to have more peace in each day. Write those things down and pray. Look, if you want perspective, if you want your everyday's radically changed because you see differently, you're gonna need to fight for it. You're gonna need to fight for this perspective on your knees in prayer and in diligent search in God's Word. That's how you get it. I can't just give it to you today. does didn't work that way. You can't just want it. It's like an athlete, right? Athletes get out on the field, and uh, I'm going to say in a track situation, and they run, and we're just amazed at how fast they are. My goodness, look at how fast they are. We miss the tears in the training in the background. We miss the trials, the injuries in the background. We just see them in the spotlight, right? And we're just so amazed, and we think it's glorious. That skill was hard, hard fought for. And that's what they would want people to know. It's not reducible down to 10 seconds. It's been a lifetime. And that's what this perseverance is. It's so worth it. It's so worth it. But you're going to have to fight for it. You're going to have to seek God for it. On your knees and in his word. This perspective can change not only the long-range vision you have for your family, but the everyday moments. When you get perspective, you smile more. When you get perspective, you laugh more. When you get perspective, you listen better. You're a better mom. You're a better teacher. You're a better wife. You're a better friend. You're a better neighbor. Perspective changes everything because perspective means you're focused on the things that really matter. God and those things that He would have you do. You're able to discern and you're able to bless. I want to leave you with a list of people that I believe had this perspective. I'm going to go through Scripture and give you a few and I want to tell you who they are and what I think we see in their life that is a result of the perspective they have. First I want to give you Noah. Noah had perspective. In Noah 6, 8, it says, and Noah did all that the Lord commanded. God came to Noah and asked him to build a boat. And you don't see anywhere in Scripture where Noah goes, hey, could you just kind of tell me why? No. Earlier, it says that God characterized Noah as blameless. And that's why God came to him. And that's why God knew he could entrust the building of the ark to Noah. God knew that Noah would obey because God knew that Noah knew that this was not his home. Noah had perspective, Abraham had perspective. We call him the father of the faithful, and he makes the headline in Hebrews 11. Noah had perspective. Again, when God told Noah, I mean, when God told Abraham that he was going to have a son, and he and Sarah were already aged by anybody's estimate. 190, right? They weren't going to have any kids. But when God said it, Abraham believed it. And he chose to walk by faith. Not because it made sense to him, but because God said it. Joseph Joseph had perspective. His life is like a series of bad days, right? Sold to slavery by his brothers. All he did was come check on on them, right? But their jealousy meant they couldn't stand him. And they sold him. He goes to the house of Potiphar, rises to prominence and power, and then his wife tries to seduce him. Then he gets thrown in prison. I mean, you read the life of Joseph and you're like, really? Goodness. And yet Joseph evidently had perspective because he didn't waver. And at the end of the story, when his brothers who sold him and who lied to their father saying that he'd been killed, come desperate for food, Joseph forgave them. How could he possibly forgive them? Because he had perspective. He got it. He got what God had done, and in fact he says, "Look, what you intended for evil. God intended for good. Joseph had perspective. Moses had perspective. Here's a man that's forty years in the palace, forty years in the wilderness, and forty years leading God's people. God called him when he's eighty, when he's eighty. I'm thinking about this time in Moses' life. he's like, "Look, you know." I'm pretty good, had a good life, married, couple of sons. And God's like, I'm not done with you. And God calls him. Moses had perspective. You see it in the book of Deuteronomy when he's pleading with the second generation. Remember, remember, remember. Joshua and Caleb had perspective. They were two of the 12 spies sent in by Moses to the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey. And yet when they come back, ten of the spies said, no, 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 no. Oh, right. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. But there's giants and there's big tall walls. And Joshua and Caleb are like, yeah, but God. God's going to give us this country. They stood on who God was, not what they had seen. Ruth. Ruth had perspective. She was actually a Moabite woman, but in her heyday, Naomi must have been an amazing mentor to Ruth. Naomi must have taught Ruth about the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God. Why do I know that? Because when Naomi was really having a rough time in despair over losing her husband and her two sons, Ruth had the perspective that Naomi had lost. And we see Ruth act compassionately toward her mother-in-law. Samuel had perspective. Samuel, devoted by his mother at a young age to serve Eli as a priest, called by the Lord, Samuel, Samuel. Samuel, who was brokenhearted when the people of Israel wanted a king, having rejected God as their king. Samuel had perspective. Samuel got who God was. Samuel was constant in his life. David. Now there's a man with perspective. Having been a shepherd and slayed bears and lions with his bare hands, tending to his father's flock, spending his nights out underneath the stars, he arrives on the front to find the cowering of um, Israelites behind rocks because there's a giant named Goliath. And this little kid, about 16 or 17 year old, goes, what are y'all doing? He's insulting the name of our God and he runs out with five smooth stones and slays the giant? That's what it looks like to have perspective. David got who God is. He got it. The prophets. In the Old Testament, we have a country, the country of Israel, that splits, right, Why? Because they continue in sin. They continue to choose false gods that can do nothing for them as a poor substitute for the one true God. And the prophets come consistently proclaiming, thus says the Lord, and calling the people to repentance and reminding the people of the faithfulness and goodness of God. And every one of those prophets did so at peril of their own life. They had audacity, they had audacity. Why? Because they had perspective. They could go and proclaim the word of the Lord in a credible and popular message among the people and they could do it because they got who God was. Esther, Esther the queen the unlikely queen, the young Jewish orphan girl raised by Mordecai who ascends the throne, right? And she needs to go in and say something to the king, but anybody who goes in who hasn't been invited will surely die. And yet she says in Esther 4.14, if I die, I die. This is the right thing to do. I have to go in. That's courage. Courage does the right thing even when you're terrified to do it. You still do the right thing. And that's what Esther did. Esther had perspective. Of course, John the Baptist just had grit. Anybody who lives in the desert in goat skin, in camel skin, and eats locusts and wild honey could not be described otherwise. And he calls the leaders vipers, right? He was gritty, John the Baptist. Why? Because he had perspective. Peter, fearless. All over and over and over, Peter falls over himself during his time as a disciple and Jesus uh, walking on this planet. He's always volunteering. He's always saying something when he should be silent and listening. And yet on the day of Pentecost, Peter takes his stand. He's a different man. He's not the man that denied Christ three times. He's the man charged by Jesus on the shores of Galilee. Peter, do you love me? He's different. Peter's perspective has changed and he makes a fearless proclamation of the good news of Jesus Christ on the day of Pentecost. I could go on and on. I would challenge you to read the book of Hebrews. Chapter 11, specifically in the Hall of Faith, dare to dig into God's word to get to know these people that we call faithful And dare to do the hard work that they did. Get to know who God is. Pray radical things for yourself. Ask for eyes to see. Ask for wisdom to discern. And ask to focus only and completely on those things that matter. Faith requires focus. Focus grants perspective. And perspective brings peace. I hope that you will seek to have perspective and that God will grant it to you in abundance.